this moment in history is the greatest moment of opportunity for the good news of Jesus for 500 years, because now everyone in the world can be reached on a smartphone. Well, hello everybody, this is Simon Gilbo, and I'm back this week with a, a familiar name to many of us. His name is Nicky Gumbel. He's the pioneer of the Alpha Course. He's a vicar of HTB. He's author of a whole load of books. Uh, I've really benefited, Nicky, from your Bible in a year. And when I said I was interviewing you uh, a couple of hours ago to my wife, she said, oh, brilliant. Thank him for the Bible in a year. It's been such a blessing. So oh. thank you for your impact on our life. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Simon. Great to be with you. Well, I really appreciate your time. So listen, let's just get straight into it. Um, in terms of your faith journey, could you just go back a bit? You know, how did you come to faith? What was your background? My father was... Uh, Jewish. He was a German Jew who escaped uh, from the Nazis in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. um, he was disbarred as a lawyer in Germany, came over to this country, and um, uh, he practiced as a barrister here. And then he met my mother uh, on the other side. She was also a barrister on the other side of a case. They got married, and uh, she was not a church girl. So I didn't have a church game background. But when I was in my first year at university, through Nikki and Scylla Lee telling me that they had uh, become Christians and wanting to help them out, I decided to do some research and ended up reading an old Bible I'd had at school for RE. And it was reading the New Testament as I read about Jesus. It was as if the person I was reading about emerged from the pages and I encountered him. And that was a turning point in my life. And I found that what Jesus said is true. I am the bread of life. And that we have, well, I had without knowing it, a spiritual hunger that wasn't satisfied by all the fun things that I was doing at the time, but was satisfied when I experienced a relationship with God through Jesus. And Jesus said, I, might, I came that you might have life and life in all its fullness. I definitely had life beforehand, but I don't think I had life in all its fullness. And I think Jesus never promises anybody an easy life. As you know, Simon, you didn't mm -hmm. have an easy life. You haven't had an easy life, but he promises us a life in all its fullness, a full life, an exciting life, a fulfilling life. And did that mean that you felt you had to leave law straight away or did, did that going to the vicarhood come later? Well, actually, I started doing law as a result because okay. I thought I, as my father was a lawyer, my mother was a lawyer, my sister is a lawyer, all my family are lawyers, I, I'd better at least qualify for that mm -hmm. before I do anything else. So, so I, I, I switched to law. I did, um, I did a law degree at Cambridge, and then um, I went on to practice as a barrister for a few years. And um, then... I sensed a call to do what I was doing in my spare time full-time. So uh, in 1983, I ceased practicing as a barrister and went to train in Oxford. And I did a theology degree in Oxford, and I was ordained in 1986. Well, I left left Oxford without anywhere to go. I was turned down by nine well nine parishes. We tried, and none of it worked out. That's encouraging. I still have I still have a collection of letters turning me down from the different parishes. 
And eventually I left college without anywhere to go. And I came back to London and thought about going back to being a barrister. And then I got a call from Sandy Miller, who was then the vicar of HCB, mm-hmm. offering me a curacy at HCB, which came out of the blue, totally unexpected, but was wonderful, wonderful news. And he, I mean, he's a wonderful man, isn't he? Would, would you say he was the biggest influence in your life? I think, I think, um, yes, I think in terms of a sort of a model of faith and love and leadership, um, Sandy has been the person we sort of most aspire to follow, uh, humanly speaking. Yeah. So he, he sort of mentored you. What, what, what were the key lessons that came through that time? I think um, Sandy made things fun and uh, lack of intensity. And he was not afraid to make changes in spite of considerable challenges, but he did it with great determination and uh, charm. He, he is a model. The, bishop of, the former Bishop of London, Richard Charters, used to speak about people who are suaviter in modo and fortiter in re. Right. And it's not very it's 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 a wonderful expression. Fortiter in rays is easier to translate. It's uh, strong in action. And Sandy's certainly strong in action. But there there are very few people who combine fortiter in rays, strong in action, with suaviter in modo. And suaviter in modo is very hard to translate. We get the English word suave from it, but it means more than that. It means graceful. Mm. It's having the soft skills in the way that you, in modo, in the way you operate. And it's a combination of those soft skills, suaviter in modo, and the hard skills, fortiter in re, the determination to get things done. And Sandy ha- combined those. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a, a better example of someone who combined those two. Uh, totally determined um, and f- strong in action, but at the same time, very gentle, gracious, diplomatic uh, in the way that he went about it. And I think that's a great model of, of leadership. Mm. Now, I first went to HDB. In fact, I told this story when you invited me to preach. I think it was 2016. In fact, it was. I can remember it clearly because it was a really intense time of our life. We'd come out of Burundi. There'd been a coup and uh, we were going back, I was going back, taking my wife and children the next day back to Burundi ag- against what most people would say was common sense. Anyway, it was it was very definitely the right call. But I remember telling the story of my first visit to HTB back in 1994, when things were kicking off with what became known as the Toronto blessing and that sort of stuff. And uh, I think that's the first time I sort of set eyes on you. And it was the, I think it was the Capital Radio Carol service that was being aired on some radio station and i went there and you know i'd read about and i yeah i sort of heard about and there were queues of people you know lining out it was being reported in newspapers mainstream newspapers and and there was all sorts of stuff going on manifestations of the spirit so i went there really hungry and i was really excited saying come on we'll bring it on and i was it was beautiful it's candle lit and it was atmospheric and it was packed and there was a fantastic vibe it was really pressing in with all I had my eyes shut my eyes closed I said come on Lord I'm so hungry for you I want to meet with you and I I felt this pitter-patter on the back of my 
head and it was undeniable and it got warmer and warmer. I was like, God, is this you? This is amazing. And it got warmer and warmer. It got hot and hot. And it's like, it was absolutely undeniable. And eventually it got so hot that I opened my eyes and looked up and there was a candle, a chandelier above me and can- the, the wax was pouring down the back of my head and it was positively <laughs> burning me. So that was my, that was my sort of funny sort of ex- first experience at HTB. But, you know, in sharing that, that could be belittling the sort of the positive, crazy stuff that was going on, and uh, and that was was that the beginning of a whole new. It, do you do you see that as a time that when HTB's influence sort of reached a new level, and and the Lord was doing incredible stuff? How do you review that episode? Oh, I don't, I don't know. So I, mean, I think it was a wonderful time of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives, and the Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives and uh, new worship, new ideas. And I think the Holy Spirit brought uh, new new vision and, um, and many ministries came out at that time, including Emmy Wilson with mm-hmm. The Prisons and then later yeah. Paul Cowley. And it was at the time when Alpha was beginning to get out around the world. And it was also the marriage course and all sorts of things happened at that time. And it, it was a wonderful moment of experiencing God's love. The Holy Spirit gives us an experience of God's love for us. And we had a, a very powerful time of experiencing, in, in with very often with physical manifestations, mm-hmm. the presence of God. The services would go on, you know, way into the, well, it was until we had to close the church down, there would still be people. Um, they'd be and they'd be queuing for three hours to get mm. into church. We didn't have enough services. That was the problem. Now we've got. Now we, we in those days we only had four services. Now we have eleven. Right. So it's it's easier to, for people to get in. And that's at different venues, but isn't it? We have six different venues now. Yes. Yeah, because I think in that time I I, I sort of was ferried between services to spoke about seven times that day. Presumably you, you don't do that every Sunday now, do you yourself? No, I I certainly don't speak seven times anymore. I had a conversation with Craig Grishel, who runs Life mm-hmm. Church in America, and I said to him, "How many?" He, well, he told me he preached something like forty-eight times a year. Oh wow! And then he said to me, "How many times do you preach?" I said, "I preach twice a year, but I'm trying to cut down, <laughs> so I don't very often." I, I've done Christmas and Easter, so that's my two for for real. That's that's yeah. That's my two for the year. And then what? Then you just divvy it up between all the team. Yeah, there we have lots of different people speaking. Fantastic. It takes a lot of persuasion for me to do, because I'd like I, I I prefer to watch other people doing it these days, <laughs> um, and they do it so well, and I watch with admiration. Can I? Can we talk about John Wimber and? his impact would he be another after, after sandy a key influence in your life and direction or not john wimber was a wonderful wonderful man i that we loved him and he he was such a character such fun he brought so much laughter to the church so the influence of his ministry is extraordinary if you think about soul survivor and new wine and all the different ministries that go back to his time and the experience of the Spirit and teaching us to pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit, which is such an important prayer. And of course, it's been prayed for 2,000 years. Mm. But the, the difference is 
do we expect the Holy Spirit to come? Father Raniero Cantalamessa. Uh, and actually, now he's Cardinal Ranieri right. Cantalamessa. He's gone from being um, uh, uh, just a monk to being a cardinal in one fell move. Didn't go through being a bishop or archbishop. He went straight to being a cardinal. So Father Ranieri Cantalamessa always says, when we pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit, it should be with the expectation that the Holy Spirit will come. Not like, he says, in Italy after a service, is polite to turn to your neighbour and say, you must come round to my home today. Mm-hmm. But it's said with no expectation that the person will will come. They'd be horrified if the person said, oh, I'll come round right now. Uh, and he says, when we pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit, which, as you know, is part of the liturgy in, in most churches. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, often we pray not really with an expectation that the Holy Spirit's going to come. So the key is to pr- that John Wimber taught us was to pray, come Holy Spirit, with an expectation that the Holy Spirit was going to come and change people's lives. And that's what we've seen in in the, I think it was 1982 that he first came here. And here we are 39 years later. We still pray that prayer every service, every Alpha weekend. We pray, come Holy Spirit. And then we wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And the chief work of the Spirit, as you know, Simon, is to give us an experience of God's love. Now, St. Paul writes, the love of God, that's God's love for us, is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, Romans 5, verse 5. Mm. And that's the work of the Spirit, is to, is the, to, for you to know that you're loved. And that's the most important experience we can ever have, to know deep down that we are loved by God. In spite of all our weaknesses, our mistakes, our flaws, God loves us. And that is, that's life-changing when you actually believe that. And we have to keep being reminded. That's why we pray that prayer all the time, because we keep, we need to keep being reminded that we are loved. We're loved by God. And if once we know that we're loved, that is life-changing. Now, you mentioned uh, Father Ranieri Cantalamessa, who he was, wasn't he the preacher? Was he preacher to the papal household? He was preacher to the Pope and to the papal household. Well, I think he still is. Uh, He was appointed by Pope John Paul VI in, I think, 1982 or 1983. So for the last 40 years, he was uh, preacher to Pope John Paul II, then to um, Pope Benedict, and now to Pope Francis. And, and he's, he's always been a good friend of Pope Francis. They've known each other. They've been friends for many, many years. And um, Pope Francis has now made him a cardinal. Um, and, yeah, they, he's a wonderful influence. He always speaks about unity, about the Holy Spirit, and about evangelism. And I think that's had a big influence. And now... The wonderful Cardinal Tagle is the head of evangelization in the in the Catholic Church. I interviewed Cardinal Tagle um, day before yesterday, Saturday. Uh-huh. He's a remarkable man, and it's wonderful to think that Cardinal Raniero and Cardinal Luis Tagle are 
together with Pope Francis. What an amazing trio to have at the heart of the Catholic Church. Mm. Well, I love it. I remember listening to him at uh, Home Focus. I forget what year it was, but you've got him over several times, haven't you? This is Cantillamessa. Yes. And yeah, his, his clear sort of depth and of, of wisdom. It, it was beautiful. And I, I just loved it, the sort of variety of people that you sort of would draw in in terms of, you know, the richness of the diversity of the body of Christ. That's been a... That's been a yeah. A, 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 well, diversity is beautiful. In heaven, there will be every tribe, every nation will be before the throne. And um, in heaven, diversity is not eliminated, it's celebrated. And uh, we pray, don't we, in, in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven, mm -hmm. well, it's clear that God's will in heaven is for diversity. So, what we should be praying, well, we, what we are praying for is diversity on earth. And diversity includes diversity of the different churches and of the different races, the different ethnicities. Uh, that's what produces something really beautiful. Yeah. I've, uh, I've loved serving in the African church and just you know, yeah. having my mind blown. We have tidy boxes, don't we, sometimes of how we want to compartmentalize and restrict how God would operate. And he's so much bigger than all those, isn't he? Yes. Yes. Hi, folks. I hope you're really enjoying the podcast. If you are, I'd love you to share it around with your mates so that as many people get to hear it and benefit from it as well and get inspired. And also, if you'd like to support our work in Burundi, which is the hungriest country in the world through Great Lakes Outreach, I'd love that too. Go to greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Now, on, on Alpha, can you share a bit of your Alpha journey? I mean, that's, I guess, the, what most people would immediately associate with you. And it, it's, it's gone beyond, I presume, one's wildest dreams. Uh, you know, you've sort of pioneered that. And uh, now how many, I mean, how many, yeah. is it tens of yeah. millions that would have done it throughout yeah, the world? Yeah, it, it was just started really for people here to invite their friends, people who, and the idea of Alpha, as you know, Simon, is uh, sort of, it's an opportunity to explore the meaning, the purpose of life. And so many people don't know why they were born. And as someone said, the most important mm. days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Yeah. And people don't know why. So it's an opportunity to explore what is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? And it's designed for people who don't go to church or people who wouldn't call themselves Christians. And it's grown and grown. And particularly interestingly in lockdown mm. i pepper and i are now on our 93rd alpha small group in succession fantastic and the last four have been have started online and uh i've been proved wrong so many times in my life uh -huh. and one of the times i've been when this is one of the times i proved wrong because i i didn't think alpha would work online i thought the meal the weekend yeah. Just, it's just not going to work. And actually, having done it now four times, I would say each time, and I say this with more confidence each time I do it, I think Alpha Online works better than Alpha in person. You get more people coming. It's much easier for people outside the church to come. That's what we're hearing all over the place, is some churches who've only reached people who were sort of already part of the church are now reaching outside the walls of the church mm -hmm. because it's so much easier 
for people to come. It's an hour and a half, and we run it Wednesday, 7.30 to 9. There's no travel, no cars, no buses, no no bikes, no walking. You're just there. And when it's finished, you're home. You're in your home. And the hospitality is replaced by the fact that you are in each other's homes. People are much more free to speak. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lower dropout rate. In fact, in, in this term, we've had no zero dropout. And in the four courses that we've done, I think only three people have dropped out. And that's that's in, my, in the small group Pippa and I are involved in helping. Uh, but all of the, our small groups are reporting a much lower dropout rate. We had 100% attendance. Mm-hmm. On each course, we've had 100% attendance at the weekend. And amazing what happens. Again, when you pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not confused by Zoom. The Holy Spirit comes in a wonderful way. Jesus, three times in the Gospels, we read of Jesus healing someone at a distance. And even through the screens, the Holy Spirit can fill people, change people's lives. And uh, that's what we're seeing. So this is, you know, I, I think this moment in history is the greatest moment of opportunity for the good news of Jesus for 500 years. Wow. And that is because the last great shift was the printing press. Mm-hmm. And when Gutenberg invented the printing press, a hundred years later, Martin Luther was printing off five thousand uh, copies of the New Testament every every couple of weeks, and uh, that changed the world because everyone could get the Bible in their own language, and uh, and people could actually hold and read a Bible for themselves. Uh, and this is the the digital the digital revolution is the next big shift because now everyone in the world can be reached on a smartphone mm. or whatever phone they have with the good news of Jesus and so you know alpha online is one example of that where uh, it's just so much easier and it's only just started but the the early adopters are seeing this extraordinary m- move of the holy spirit through alpha online so I hope and pray that this will accelerate around the world and that there's a big planet to reach, as you know, mm. eight, 8 billion That's people right. who need to hear the good news of Jesus. Yeah, and for your encouragement, Alpha has made it very strongly all the way to Burundi. And it's uh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's had great favour in the Catholic Church particularly, hasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think... Um, we did the first Catholic conference in 1996 at Westminster Cathedral at the invitation of Cardinal Hume. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we saw on the first night of that conference, when we prayed that prayer, come Holy Spirit, one of the greatest outpourings of the Spirit we've ever seen at an Alpha wow. conference. And um, I went home that night and read again Acts 10, where Peter says, if God gave the same spirit to them as he gave to us, who are we to oppose God? And it was clear mm. that I, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, unless you work with the Holy Spirit, with the Catholic Church, you'll be opposing, opposing God because God's given the same spirit to them as he's given to mm. us. And he's given the same Holy Spirit to the Coptic Orthodox, to the Baptists, the Pentecostals, Salvation Army, we're the same Holy Spirit, 
and there's great power therefore in unity and um, I'm thrilled to hear that it it, it it's reached as far as Burundi but I think the cat and, and also the Catholic Church like all the churches have enriched us mm-hmm. you know we've done conferences for the Salvation Army for the Methodist Baptists reformed all these different churches and everyone we learn something and uh, in terms of the Catholic Church certainly we have been enriched by our interaction with them and through working through the material to making sure that it was it was um, acceptable to them and we had we made some changes to the to questions of life which is the mm-hmm. syllabus of the course to give you one example I'd said in 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 questions of life I talked about the universal church being the church all over the world and it was the Catholic Church that pointed out that that is um, only half the story it's the church the universal church is the church throughout the ages and throughout the world mm-hmm. so that's a now I think of it in a different way. It's important for us to remember we are part of uh, a church which goes back 2,000 years, and we mustn't ignore what we learned from the church in the past. So it, it, it enriched our understanding of many, many different areas. Uh, and often we found that different language was being used, but about the same things, or that they th- they'd seen, they saw things that we hadn't seen. So, but we've learned a huge amount from the Catholic Church, from the Pentecostal Church. I've learned so much Mm -hmm. from interactions with different churches, from Hillsong, from um, Salvation Army, from the Baptists, from all the different churches around the world. It's been a hugely enriching experience. And the different countries. I'm sad that we never went to Burundi, but we, we went to a number of African countries. And again, each country we went to, we learned from. Mm. We're inspired by their faith, by their courage, um, and often by their joy in the midst of very tricky circumstances. Mm. You know, there's so much I want to pick up as, as you're speaking. Going back to um, you saying you've done 93 Alpha courses in a row. I mean, that, that that blows my mind in terms of the consistency of it all. I, it makes me think of a friend of mine in, in Southampton who... I got talking to, he'd led a, a Sikh friend of his to the Lord, Steve, and this guy, Clive, I said, um, you know, you journeyed with him, you know, how did he come to faith? And he said, I read the Bible with him every week for 22 years. Huh. And that's, it took him 22 years of being tr- tr- wow. truth to come to faith. So, I mean, amazing stickability and, uh, yeah. well, I mean, that's humbling and challenging to me. Now, just, I don't know if you remember, just before lockdown, you we met up in London, we walked around Hyde Park and I, sh- yes. I shared with you where I was at in my space, having come back from Burundi um, yeah. and obviously a very different worldview, a very different culture. I wouldn't say I was yeah. culture shocked, but I was processing things from looking at British culture with maybe a fresher pair of eyes than some people. Yeah. Now, um, I'm listening to your podcast regularly and, and it, I think next week you're going to be airing the interview you did with those two Iranian ladies who are remarkable ladies who, you know, suffered, went to prison for sharing their faith in Iran. And I was telling you the story about um, a couple who had left, uh, managed to get out of Iran, where it's very dangerous to be, be Christians. They'd gone yeah. to America. And in America, after a few months there, the woman had said to her husband, darling, please take me back to Iran. There's yeah. a satanic lullaby in this nation. All the Christians are asleep and I feel myself being lulled to sleep. 
And so that was so powerful to me. And what yeah. I was telling you about the time was that I was writing a book called The Satanic Lullaby and the Offensive Gospel. Now, um, as it happens, I, I wrote that book and then, and then shared it with a few people. They said, it's rubbish, Simon. Um, and that was really helpful because what I sort of realized was that what I was trying to write about was, were sort of the real hot button issues like um, critical race theory and identity politics and uh, sexuality and the uniqueness of Christ and the reality of judgment and, you know, you know just, just issues that really uh, need to be addressed by someone. My conclusion was... I'm intelligent, not intelligent enough. I'm theological, but not theological enough. And I'm culturally aware, but not culturally aware enough. Uh, oh, well, that's fair. You're very humble, no, no. Simon, because I think you're, you're, I don't think any of that's well, true. I think, I'm sure you'd write a, a very good book on, on any subject that you, you chose. But it's a very interesting point that you made. I remember I was involved in a, in a conference one time mm -hmm. um, in, a, in America. Um, with people from across every different kind of culture and um, political spectrum. Mm -hmm. And there was one person on a panel. We were on various panels together, and there was some man on, on, a, on a panel who had been brought up in a very poor area in uh, Africa and had been hugely successful and written um, best-selling books been interviewed by Oprah and um, made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And he brought his father over to, to the US. And his father said, you know, having lived there for quite a short time, he just said, I, I want to go back mm -hmm. because no one talks to you here. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I might be poor in Africa, but as I sit there, um, Everyone talks to their neighbor mm -hmm. and we're a community. And I think, um, as you know, it's not, money does not make you happy. Success, fame, all the things that people seek after don't make you happy. It's connection, it's relationship, relationship with God and relationship with others. That's what people have been missing most, I think in the, in the pandemic is connection and friendship and that um, interaction. And that's the most important thing in life. Yes, yeah, so I uh, agreed. So uh, just thinking on that satanic lullaby. So, you know, that, that Iranian woman was preferring to leave the safety and protection of America to go back to Iran where she'd face imprisonment and rape and torture and separation from family because she saw a greater danger in the West with what she was being sort of drip fed um, or bombarded with in terms of imagery or the lies of advertising, defining ourselves in such shallow criteria on what you drive or you, whatever. So my question f for you here that I'm, I'm sort of still wrestling with is as a church leader with significant influence when we're looking at our culture and, you know, the, this, this, this sort of cultural Marxism, the aggressiveness, the, the cancel culture, uh, identity politics are sort of very polemic, aren't they? They're really creating certainly more heat than light. It's us versus them. It's very aggressive. It's so much anger through social media. How do you see, as a as a as an influencer in the nation spiritually, how do you see your role in terms of? Uh, I, I think of a quote by um, American theologian Tozer. He said, "We are we are not diplomats, but." Profits and our message is not a compromise, but an ultimatum. Now that's we are not diplomats, but prophets. And our, 
message is not a compromise, but an ultimatum. Do we, do we just disagree out and out with him? Or do we say on some things we've got to just, you know, die for, and the rest we've just got to be silent over? How, you know, how do you sort of wrestle and, and what does it look like for you as an influencer? Oh, I did. I wouldn't describe myself as an influencer at all. I'm far too old to have an influence on <laughs> but anybody. But you do. You have a massive but, but, influence. No, I, I don't. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I all I try to do very inadequately is proclaim Jesus, because mm-hmm. I think Jesus is the answer to all of these things. We need a, a culture that reflects the values of Jesus. Jesus loved people. Jesus, uh, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign. Proclaimed justice. Mm. This is what people people need: is is love and justice. Um, uh, we we live in a in a very unjust world, and there are issues of racism which need to be addressed. Issues of poverty which needs to be addressed. Climate change, human trafficking. All these are terrible injustices which Jesus came to proclaim justice, love and justice. And we need, we need the, to, to live like Jesus. He, Jesus gave us the manifesto. Mm-hmm. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he sent me to proclaim good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, delivery of sight, opening of eyes of the blind, set the prisoners free, to bring the oil of gladness instead of despair. And that's our, our manifesto. That's the manifesto of Jesus. I'm trying very inadequately. I'm a flawed human being, tottering along, trying to follow Jesus. But I'm trying to to do those things, to bring, to proclaim good news, to, to, to seek to, um, I think that the, th- the three of the leadership conference we've just had, uh, what I've spoke about is like, what are the, the 2020s going to be like? The, the 1920s were the roaring 20s. But what about the roaring 20s of the 2020s? Is this going to be, the roar, well, what, what I long for is the roar of Jesus, mm. the roar of the lion Amen. of the tribe of Judah, which is a roar of love. And it's a roar of justice and it's a roar of good news, good news for the poor. And I think the world, it's in a world of hate, which you've just described, a world of uh, where we hate one, there's so much anger and hatred. We need God's love we need to proclaim love and compassion and kindness uh and then in a world of terrible injustices and of course it's been spotlighted with the horrific murder of george floyd but it it's more than that it's he's he's but one case of of massive global injustices which need to be addressed and if the church is not seen to address those injustices other people will arise uh, and we need to follow the example of people like Martin Luther King, who was a, a church person. So he, it was, it was the church that was leading the drive against injustice. And if the church fails to do that, others will arise and take our place. So we we have to have a roar of love. We have to have a roar of justice, 
and in a world of such bad news, when you turn on the news at night, is there ever good news? Uh, only in the sporting section sometimes. <laughs> uh, not if you're an England fan, often. <laughs> but um, there might be good news occasionally in the weather. But apart from that, it's all bad news. It's all um, disease and terrorism and wars and um, murders and all sorts of horrific things. And into that world, Jesus gives us this immense privilege of bringing good news, the good news of Jesus, that in Jesus you can find love and hope and purpose and meaning, and you can find um, belonging to a, to a community that loves you and accepts you and encourages you. And so I, I think we, we need to be proclaimers of, of such a positive message in, in a world that desperately needs Jesus. Amen. Listen, we're almost out of time. If you could just give a few parting words in terms of maybe uh, life mottos or mantras, key life lessons, sort of principles you live by that you'd want to pass on to us. I, I'm just so thankful that uh, for, for Jesus and the, the good news of Jesus that has changed my life. And I try very stumblingly and falteringly to, to follow him and to, to, love, to love him, to hear his voice each day. I love to, so I do the Bible in one year because I do it each day. I have done for 30 years now for, since Sandy gave me a Bible in one year. Mm -hmm. In 1990, Christmas 1991, so from the 1st of January 1992, Every day I've done a little bit of a psalm, a little bit of the New Testament, a little bit of the Old Testament, and try to hear Jesus. Jesus, what are you saying to me? And then I try and pray. I go around the park because that's how I find it easiest to pray. And try and, Lord, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? How can I serve you? Try and prioritize um, my uh, marriage because I think that is the most important ministry. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, our children, now nine grandchildren. Beautiful. Um, and um, that, that's our primary calling is to look after our family, to love our family. And again, I haven't done that at all adequately. I don't hold myself out as an example of anything, really. Uh, but I, I adore my, my children and grandchildren. I'm hugely blessed. Uh, but I try and put my relationship with Pip above it, or even that, because the most important thing I think for our children is to see that we love one another mm. and that we model a love for one mm. another. So that's those. I think those are the most important things. And what you do in life really doesn't matter compared to your relationships. You, I don't think anybody at the end when you hear eulogy eulogies at funerals yeah. very seldom is it about uh how many insurance contracts yes. they managed to sell um or how many houses they managed to get a commission on it's about how they loved how they uh, the kind things they did the, the things that helped other people that's what life is about mm. it's not about what job you do that's that's almost an irrelevance, mm. it's just a detail, but how do we love? How do we love um, our parents? How do we love our, 
our friends? How do we love the people who don't know Jesus? How do we reach, how do we love the poor? How do we love the prisoners? How do we love the person we bump into on the street? How do we love people? That's what it's all about. And if you were to sum up the whole Bible, if you sum up the whole Alpha course, other than the word Jesus, I would say it's God loves you. Love God and love one another. That's it. That's the, that's the message. It's all about love. Amen. Well, I had other questions, but we've run out of time. We'll call it a day uh, there. Yeah. Nikki, thank you so much for your time. Lovely to chat, Simon. Brilliant. Well, that's all for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it and I look forward to seeing you again next week with another fantastic guest. Listen, I want to say thank you to Adam Thomas Steer for editing this and to Mike Sandyman for the mastering of it. And I'd love it if you give us a good review on iTunes and you forward it to someone, share it so that more and more people get to hear these inspiring stories. So that's all for Inspired this week. God bless you. Toodaloo.